Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Thanks for being here. Great to have you. This is Maximize Your Influence, Kurt Mortensen here, Podcast 465. As we go into a little deeper on that AI, it's not going away, that artificial intelligence. Got some listener email. Get into charismatic leadership. Is it good or bad? And of course, our persuasion blunder. And geeky, scarly article. Hope everyone's doing well, achieving your goals. I was in uh, Seattle, Washington, the United States this week. And the sun was out. And if you're from that part of the world, you know it's one of the most beautiful places on the earth. When the sun's out, it just doesn't happen that often. But it was beautiful. It was nice. Had some good training. Did some mock persuasion, mock negotiations. Got deep into learning and mastering the skills in a safe environment. And that brings us to the blunder. Because <laughs> even though these are safe environments, people get competitive. They want to win. Because some people are just way too nice in these mock persuasion negotiations. Oh, we all win. And that's not how it works in the real world. When your job's on the line, when there's millions of dollars on the line, people act differently. Let's get into the blunder. Don't, don't, don't. So I wrote some of these down at the seminar. Basically, when we say things that just make it worse, especially in an emotional situation, well, you don't have to get so angry was one I heard. And when you label somebody angry, that usually doesn't diffuse the anger. Why are you being so sensitive? You should calm down. <laughs> You're just not understanding. Well, just call them stupid. Well, you just have to follow the rules. Those are the rules. Now, we say this all the time, and we talked about before on the podcast. Well, trust me on this one. We say things that make it worse. And so these are things as part of the blunder that just make it worse, make it more emotional, make people more upset. Yeah, telling someone to calm down, I don't think that's ever worked. Or you would understand or quit being so emotional. Probably aren't things that have really ever helped in a persuasion negotiation situation. We have to be careful of those. And so that got me thinking, and somebody actually showed me this article from Reader's Digest. I'll pull it up, and I'll have all these links for you at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. By the way, the home of your free persuasion IQ assessment Get the free book, The New Edition of Maximum Influence. Just pick up a little shipping and handling. And, and all the training and coaching, all the information's right there. Housekeeping's done. All right, so Reader's Digest. These links will be there. They talked about compliments that are actually insulting. Going along those same lines here. And a part of this, too, you have to understand your tone of voice. Hey, you're on time. Is <laughs> different than like, hey, you're on time. Both are probably insulting, but one would be more insulting than others. That's one they have on their list. Oh, your new hairstyle makes you look so much younger. Yeah, it gets us so paranoid to compliment anybody now because they could take it the wrong way and everything's getting more and more offensive. I'm so impressed that you're handling your kids so well. <laughs> what does that even mean? Didn't think you could raise a child, have a child? I don't know what that one means, but it's on their list. You're such a strong person. Okay. You're a really good driver for a woman. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. You did a fantastic job handling that project all on your own. Yeah, I can see where that one's coming from. And one, you're so gorgeous. 
I mean, it's good to get a compliment, but usually it's probably perceived the wrong way. You look great for your age. <laughs> You're so pretty. How are you still single? Is in the insulting category. You have a pretty face. You should smile more. Wow, you've lost so much weight. You're not fat anymore. I think we get that one. You look so pretty with all that makeup on. <laughs> so I'm just putting it out there in highly charged emotional situations. Even though your intent was good, you didn't mean to be insulting. It can be insulting. So be more aware of your tone. Be more aware of the phrases and words you're using. That's the blunder. Even in a mock persuasion negotiation situation, some tempers started to flare a little bit because the wrong thing was said. And talking to the team, that, that was not the intent. It was just something you said. So that is our blunder, which brings us to one of our geeky scholarly articles. I wanted to follow up more on the AI. This was sent to me by Peter from St. George, St. George, Utah, about the trends in AI. I wanted to follow up with that, then we'll get to our geeky scholarly article. So this is the trends for this year. Again, it's not going away. We hit it hard last week and how you can use this. But let me just give you some of the key things about the report, the trends for sales and persuasion and AI, that artificial intelligence. So they came up with the key challenges that sales reps only spend 28% of their week selling. And according to them, that is down. They said 50% of reps feel, and I've seen this in my trainings, they're required to learn too many tools. I mean, all these tools are awesome. You got AI and you've got CRMs and you've got time man and you've got autoresponders. I mean, you have so many great tools but it gets to the point there are so many tools, they're not integrated, that takes forever to learn. I mean, the salesperson knows deep down that they could increase productivity, but it's just not a fire, it's just too much. So I've seen that one too. They said 93% of B2B organizations missed their quarterly forecast by 10% or more. So here are the predictions, just so you know. 60% of sales teams will be using AI to augment human intelligence during discovery meetings and demos by 2026. And another interesting one, 83% of high-performing enterprise sales teams will use AI-driven next best action forecasting by 2025. By 2025, 61% of activities will be enhanced by AI. Another couple more, 97% of sales leaders and sales operations pros say AI gives reps more time to sell with automation and next best action recommendations. The con, of course, is going to be another thing to learn, another thing to, to use and that can take away from the, that mindset of getting in and persuading. So I wanted to follow up with that report. I'll link that at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Let me know what you think at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And it doesn't matter what you do with persuasion, sales, negotiation, leadership, business. This is going to be part of this. You'll be like the internet. You really can't be in business without the internet. This is going to be a big part of that. This is the Web3, the next step, where things are going. doesn't matter. Well, I don't want it. I don't like it. I don't want to learn it. It's a fad. It's not. It's not going away. <laughs> Doesn't matter if we like it or not. It's just kind of the trend. And the trend is your friend. Which brings us to listener email. Oh, boy. And the Geeky Scarly article. We'll combine them. This is Kendra from Washington, D.C., she says, Kurt, I live in Washington, D.C., and I'm surrounded by politicians who think they are charismatic. I'm not buying it, <laughs> okay? I don't even consider politicians leaders because to be a leader, you have to lead everyone, not just the people that are like you or think like you. We've talked about that one before, so I'm with you on that one. Skirt, I found this article from Harvard, The Pros and Cons of Charismatic Leadership. 
I have lots of charisma, and I know you've done a lot of research on this type of leadership. What are your thoughts? All right, Kendra, let's do a little agree-disagree here. Let's take a look at it. Again, those links are available. So this article was in Harvard Business Review by Katie Schonk, and it's titled Charismatic Leadership Weighing the Pros and Cons. So are there cons? I mean, before we even get started, we've talked about this before with charismatic leadership, any type of skill. When I was researching laws of charisma, again, you find great charismatic leaders just improving lives, helping people, serving others, just making a difference. And you see others that are selfish, self-serving, destroy people, take advantage of people, hurt countries. So the, the skills are neutral, but this is interesting on charismatic leadership's the pros and cons. Let's take a look at it. She goes on to say, charismatic leadership was once promoted as a cure-all for struggling organizations. Then she says, but recent research and theory suggests potential downsides to putting charismatic leaders in charge. Now, my research has found that good charismatic leaders help people around them. They develop more self-assurance. They felt more meaningfulness at work. They liked coming to work. They would work for less, increase motivation. And these people found higher levels of trust and acceptance of the people around them. Those are the benefits that I have seen. Let's see what some of her negatives are. She says, leadership trends wax and wane, go back and forth. Charismatic leadership has more recently taken a backseat to less hierarchical and paternalistic leadership styles. And she calls these participative leadership, facilitative leadership, you know, walking the floor. Some people call it servant leadership. And those are separate styles, but you still can't have those styles and be charismatic. And she defines charismatic leadership from German sociologist Max Weber as a gift that leads a person to be treated as a leader based on their perceived or at least specifically exceptional powers or qualities. He even says supernatural, superhuman. Now, I've seen some other definitions I like. The word charisma actually comes from the Greek goddess Charis. She is one of total beauty and charity. That's one way. I love what Tony Alessandro said, great persuasion guru. Charisma is the ability to influence others positively by connecting with them physically, emotionally, and intellectually. Jay Conger, another expert, says the word charisma goes back to the early Christian church. The word comes from Greek, meaning gift. Charisma means gifts from God that allow receivers to carry out extraordinary feats such as healing or prophecy. Or Jerry Spence, famous lawyer, charisma is not a deluded feeling. It's a raw feeling. It's a passing our pure energy, our passion to the other. So those are some definitions I've seen. So we know what we're talking about here. And they go on to talk about that charisma does increase loyalty and devotion. And that a charismatic leader gets an emotional response from their followers. And that response is obedience, loyalty, commitment to that leader. So there's all these good things. I basically say with charisma, when you're charismatic, people want to be around you. They want to be influenced by you. They want to recruit others for you. It's just easy. It's just simple. It is something you can learn. It's not something you're born with. You might be born with some traits that are naturally charismatic, but there are other traits that you can enhance, learn, improve that help you become more charismatic. So here's all the benefits, and I agree with all those. But here, let's take a look at the downside of charismatic leadership. It goes on to say, although everyone seems to know charisma when they see it, the ambiguity of the phenomenon and the difficulty of its measure have hindered researchers from firmly comprehending it. Let me just kind of take that back. Now, when I was doing charisma research, I did develop a charisma IQ, and it was tough. to You know, how do you quantify this? We feel it. It's like trust. We can feel it. We know when it's there, but you know, how do you quantify? Where is it really coming from? And charisma is the same way. The challenge with this, and this is what I'll agree with, is 
when people are assessing themselves, they're usually way too high or way too low. And all the experts tend to define it a little bit differently. So that can be a downside. We all define it a little bit differently. There are some pitfalls there to where we know when they have it. And she agrees with me that there are some charismatic leaders out there that use that charisma, that power to commit evil acts. She mentions Hitler, and we can go down that list. And then on the positive side, she mentions Martin Luther King. The power of charisma is neutral. You can use it either way. And that's why you see it a lot, this with spiritual leaders. They're not like a business leader. A business leader, you kind of have to follow them. They're paying you. You're working for them. A spiritual leader, you don't have to go follow them, go to their organization or church. So you find a lot of charismatic leaders where people want to follow them because they're not forced to. They don't have to. And that is a challenge a lot of times. A lot of managers are like, I asked them to do it, and they did. I'm charismatic. I'm a leader. (laughs) No. When people do it because they have to, that is a management. When they do it because they want to and they believe in you, that's charismatic leadership. I'll just add that piece. She goes on to say, because charisma is rooted in emotional manipulation, it can lead followers to abandon rational thought and accept ideas uncritically. And that is the negative side. I don't know if I agree with emotional manipulation that that can happen but I don't see great charismatic leaders doing emotional manipulation. So she says when that happens, there becomes this reciprocal dependence where they're depending on each other. It distorts reality and it's downhill from there. And you've seen plenty of examples in your life and in history about the negative side. So she mentions a study done in 2017 where they looked at 800 business leaders and they looked at 7,500 of their peers and subordinates. And then they gave the leaders a personality assessment to measure that charisma. Now, the way they define it was bold, colorful, mischievous. I'm not sure about mischievous. Curious, maybe. Intuitive, mischievous. Uh, We'll go with that. And that measured their charisma. So those who scored as more charismatic were also perceived as highly charismatic by their subordinates. But on another study, they found that a lot of charismatic leaders tended to rate their skills a little higher than others. But I've seen that with pretty much all leaders and all managers. (laughs) Most managers rate their listening skills or managerial skills or people skills above average, and that's not true. Probably because they're expected to have those. And the other downside they found in another study is that highly charismatic leaders were strategically ambitious, but had a difficulty realizing their vision due to the difficulties managing day-to-day operations. And then they found the opposite for those low in charisma, that they were good at the execution, but didn't spend enough time on long-term planning and promotion. So they're saying they didn't spend enough time on their vision. They got caught up in their day-to-day activities. And I think that happens to any manager. But I'll add, I think the challenge here too, is that some charismatic leaders buy into their vision so much, they don't see the potholes. They don't see there might be a better way. They don't listen to other people. It's their way or their highway. That can happen when people have a big vision and they're really charismatic. So they say the bottom line on charismatic leadership, charisma and a leader can be linked to innovation and breakthroughs, yet highly charismatic leaders are prone to overconfidence, being eccentric, seeking attention, and manipulative behavior. So let's talk about that for a second. That can happen. I'll agree with that. We know power corrupts. We do know that when you're charismatic, you have followers, people adore you, they like you, they follow you, they listen to you. And that can cause, let's go over those overconfidence and being eccentric and expecting that attention. That's the next one, attention sinking. And when it goes to manipulation, it's probably because maybe your followers aren't following you anymore and you're, not, you're used to it. How dare they? Or it's just easier, quicker, and faster. You just expect it. Anybody in persuasion, sales, 
parenting, anybody that does persuasion influence for a living, which is everybody can go to manipulation. That's the challenge. And it comes back to intent. When your heart's in the right place and you're serving the people and you're helping the people and you're doing the right things, it doesn't cross that line. So many people get so concerned about becoming a manipulator and that doesn't happen. When your heart's in the right place and you have the right intent, you're there to help them out, to solve their problem, to make them a better person, whatever it is, and you revealed all the information that you need to and it's a win-win, you're not manipulating. Actually, if you're in sales and you help someone make a decision, they appreciate that. When you use the right persuasive techniques, charismatic techniques to improve people, help people, because a lot of times if you don't use those, they won't do anything. They won't make any decisions and they will never solve their problem. So it's good to have these techniques and strategically use them to be able to do that. So Kendra, hopefully that answers your questions. Again, heart in the right place. Knowing everybody you meet can help you. Knowing everybody you meet you can learn something from. Knowing that everybody you meet has value. That's why charismatic leadership could be called participative leadership, servant leadership. You're there, you're in the trenches, you're doing it. You're a product of the product. You're doing what you're asking other people to do. You're an example of what you're trying to persuade others to become. That's what we're talking about here. It reminds me of a story about the lion and the mouse. This is in Persuasion IQ. So this lion, the king of the jungle, was a huge lion. Had the power, prestige, big lion, king of the jungle. You know how it goes. Anyway, one day while taking this nap, a mouse began to walk across his pod across his back. This lion got outraged, was mad. He placed his large paw on the mouse, almost smashed it. Who is this little mouse, he thought. Doesn't he know how powerful I am that I could squash him or eat him at any time? So to teach the mouse a lesson, the lion began to swallow the little mouse. The mouse says, whoa, whoa, pardon me, king. Please forgive me on this one time. I will never do it again. Please let me go and someday I'll repay the favor. The lion was amused. He's like, okay, how can this little mouse ever repay this favor to the great and powerful king of the jungle? He was so fascinated with this, he let the mouse go. So fast forward six months, the king of the jungle got caught in a trap of a famous hunter. The hunter tied the lion up with rope. The lion could not escape and he gave up because the situation felt hopeless. That night, the little mouse walked by and saw the lion in its great dilemma. While the hunter slept, this little mouse nodded the ropes that held the lion captive. With one hour until daylight, the mouse was able to free the mighty lion. The lion was able to escape. The mouse smiled and said, I told you I could repay the favor. Now, why do I say that? Because that can be the downside of charismatic leadership. You got the ego. You're the lion. How can that little person help me? Just remember, everybody you meet, everybody you know can help you achieve greatness and happiness. So your job is to empower others, believe in others, treat others with great respect, and there will always be a time when they can repay you, serve you, introduce you to somebody, get you something you need, just fill in the blank. That's the key. So when you learn to always empower, believe in others, build people up, motivate them, you always have these people around you when you need them the most. That's the key. That's why I tell a story. And that's the downside when people get too in their head about their charismatic power, about their abilities to influence, they become this lion. A, how dare this mouse touch me? And B, how can it help me? And that is the end of the story. So thanks for being here. Take something you learned today. Either get more into AI, start working on those charisma skills. You want to learn about charisma? Go to influenceuniversity.com. You can get into the free area. I'll put the special for Influence University on the website. Everything I have included, all the charisma videos and trainings I have done is there. You have access to those. You can even download Laws of Charisma at InfluenceUniversity.com. So 
Learn it, master it, become more influential, better negotiator, better charismatic leader, better person, and go out and persuade with power. 